Check out Geek Therapy on Twitch, where we play a variety of games every week, including some that we talk about here on Headshots. Visit twitch.tv slash geektherapy to watch us live. Welcome to Headshots, the psychology and gaming show on the Geek Therapy Network. My name is Oswald Cardona with my co-host, Lauren Keller. Hello! We've been wanting to talk about this for a long time, and it's not, it's not new new, but I'm super excited to talk about Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch is a... What? How would you describe Bandersnatch? I'm curious. <laughs> Bandersnatch is a Black Mirror interactive film available on netflix that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah i think (laughs) did i nail it yeah yeah, i tried real hard (laughs) yeah that's probably how netflix describes it (laughs) no black mirror is one of my favorite shows like just i love that show so so much and honestly if it weren't for black mirror there would be no sight tech or headshots as we know it like this show would not exist if it were not for for black mirror and thank you, Black Mirror. Thank you, Black Mirror and Charlie <laughs> Brooker. And we've we've talked about uh, Black Mirror in, in past Headshots episodes, particularly the one, I forgot the name of the episode, but where he goes to uh, the game play, developers. Playtester? Playtest? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like that. the one. Yep, yep. Ooh, I love that episode. <laughs> yeah. Right? And we discussed it on Headshots because it was very much about gaming, and I liked the ideas that it presented. But mm-hmm. Bandersnatch is whew, like it's it's unique. It is it is so man. I, I don't know. Um, where do you want to start? <laughs> where do you want to start to talk about this? Well, let's. I mean, let's explain it a little bit further. Interactive film is sort of the the tag that everybody is using, but it's it is a movie that, generally speaking, takes about ninety minutes to get through. So sort of typical mo- movie length. But um, you interact with it by choosing between binary choices that are peppered throughout the uh, the whole movie, um, some of which don't have a whole lot of impact or meaning. It's just a choice you get to decide, and some of them have really important meanings and change which endings you can get in the movie. It is. There's no other Black Mirror episode like it. Nope. Although Netflix has experimented with interactive films, um, there's the only other one I've I've actually gone through is a Puss in Boots cartoon. I think it was the first time that they ever did. Yeah, I think that was the first one they did. Yeah, and I think there are more, but I haven't played any of them. Or see, I'm saying played, and and that's kind of the point. That's why we're talking about it on Headshots because when I uh, went through Bandersnatch the first time. I tried to do it on an Apple TV, and I was told that my device could not play this interactive film. What? Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't let me. And I had a, I have a new Apple TV. I had like the newest one at that moment, and I was like, "That's really strange." And then it gave me some sort of explanation about what devices I could use it on. So I ended up playing it on PlayStation, on a PlayStation Four, with a DualShock controller, and that's how I watched. <laughs> Bandersnatch. <laughs> I made the decisions by, you know, using the directional pad to use, to to choose left or right and clicking with the X button. So it felt more like a game like that because I throughout the whole movie I had the PS4 controller in my hand. Uh, the second time I went through, I did it on the computer. So I did it in a browser and I just used the mouse to choose. Mm-hmm. And that felt more like watching a movie. But I feel like if I could have done it on my Apple TV, it would have felt more like an interactive film than it did 
feel like a game. And I'm torn about uh, how I talk about Bandersnatch because, I mean, it's one thing, but I, I do see it very differently as an episode of Black Mirror and as a game, as an interactive experience. Mm-hmm. I have feelings about, about both, <laughs> <laughs> but I think they're both really interesting. Well, elaborate on that. So as a Black Mirror episode, I think it is amazing because as you're playing, right, it, it is as you're watching the film, the character and multiple characters in the story begin to become self-aware of the situation happening. They start talking about how they do not have control over their actions. And early on, you start thinking, wait a minute, maybe this isn't just a movie. It's like a video game. And the video game character that I'm controlling is now aware of the fact that he's in a game and he's being controlled. And this idea is sprinkled through in in different ways. Very early on, it seems, depending on your choices, it seems like he is aware of this because there's there's a an opportunity very early on where he just says I'm going to do this over and he basically jumps back in time does uh, groundhog day and repeats mm-hmm. a day and it's just a very black mirror way of touching the subject and then again like you're controlling things like you said there are some decisions that are very they seem unimportant like what music am I going to listen to or what breakfast cereal cereal am I going to eat in the morning and later on he he talks to his therapist and says, I feel like I don't have control over certain decisions. Some of them are just the basic, very simple, mundane decisions, but I still feel like somebody else is making the decision for me and making me do that. And so again, it's so cool that you're controlling it and the character is aware of this. And then depending on your choices, that goes into all sorts of different uh, aspects, including the idea uh, that there are like infinite possibilities and therefore infinite timelines that every time that you make a decision, it doesn't really matter because another version of you made the opposite decision. So both decisions happened anyway, and it plays with that idea depending on, on how you play the game. And it's just like the, these meta experiences, right. That are, that are on the, the mm-hmm. episode. I think they're really cool. So as a band, as a, as a black mirror episode, I think it is, amazing i just i just love it so so much because charlie brooker could have just told that story but instead he gave us control over the character to an extent so that it adds another layer to the experience of just watching it the illusion of control (laughs) yes and that is what i think of bandersnatch as a television show as an episode or as a film as a black mirror episode yep How'd you feel about it? I thought it was pretty a pretty solid Black Mirror episode. It felt uh, very in line with the other episodes um, in that it was pretty depressing, <laughs> kind of bleak. Um, <laughs> and and as you mentioned before, it's like a a big part of the Black Mirror theming is sort of holding up this uh, Black Mirror to the viewer and making you sort of think about how these themes get replicated in your own life. You know how how we think about choice and control in our own in our own lives versus you know when we're consuming media passively or slightly actively. It uh, makes you think. <laughs> it does make you think. So, <laughs> how many times did you play through it? 
So I played through it when it first came out um, back in December 2018. Um, and then I played it again yesterday before recording. Uh, so it would be fresh. Yeah. And was it different? It was. It was different. I the first time I played through with my with my roommate, and so this the second time I played through by myself. So we weren't uh, making choices together. I was just picking stuff, and so some of the things I was picking because I'd already picked the other one. So I was just kind of like, okay, well, I'm gonna pick sugar puffs this time instead of cornflakes. That's what um, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it turns out that most people pick the cornflakes the first time through. So. Hmm. I don't know if that's interesting or not, but there it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely the second time through, you know, already knowing some of the endings and having seen a lot of the stuff, I was able to, you know, pay a little bit more attention to more of the like mechanics of the story that they were trying to tell, which I thought was very interesting. But I also, I got two different endings and I, f- I guess the ending I got the first time is what's considered the quote unquote true ending Huh. Uh, but I like the ending I got the second time much better, uh, partly because, as we were talking about before, it, this is a, a Black Mirror uh, episode, and I felt like the, the second ending I got fit Black Mirror better. So b- before you tell me those two endings, when you played the first time, did you only do one straight playthrough, or did you start going back and try to do different things to get different endings? Um, I did one straight playthrough, but what, the way that it's set up is that when you hit credits and it, and it's like, okay, go back and make a different choice. That's not actually a new game. And it remembers that, that choice to, to go back instead of just play through the credits. And so there were, there were parts that I, I replayed in that first sitting, but, uh, not technically as a replay, but as a loop, that makes sense. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I didn't were... like. I didn't like exit out of Netflix and restart it and click the like restart from beginning option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the, there are branching paths, and sometimes when it says like this is an ending, you can watch the credits or you can go back to here or here, which is like somewhere along that decision tree, and then redo a particular decision and then go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So you did a little bit of that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, what was the first ending you got that is supposedly the, is this, is like, have they, has Charlie Brooker said that this is the canon ending? Uh, or like... You know, I don't know. I don't know who said it. It's just, I've been, I went, you know, I read a bunch of articles and went on like Reddit and looked at what people were talking about just to sort of see what other people were getting out of it. But um, people were generally referring to the, um, the, time travel train ending mm-hmm. with your mom as yeah. the quote unquote true ending hmm. um hmm. uh i guess to, to there, there are five main endings and they all have sort of like variants to them depending on like smaller choices you make along the way but there are five main endings there's the um there's the ending where uh the main character stefan goes to jail there's the ending where um, you, <laughs> where if you tell Stefan about Netflix, then he, when he's talking to the, his therapist, um, you can get two endings out of that. You can get an ending where there's a big action fight scene with him and his dad and the and the therapist, 
or you can get uh, an ending where he jumps out of the window and it reveals that he is on a Netflix TV show set. That was my the ending that I got today when I played it, mm-hmm. which is exactly that. It was like, I'm going to jump out the window, but you can't because it's not a real window. And mm-hmm. then the camera pulls back and they show that you're on a set. Yep. And the character is very confused because the character thinks that he's a character and not an actor. Yep. And and so when it said that, right, like I had that experience and the next screen said watch credits or go back. And I decided to just watch the credits. I was like, no, I'm going to accept this as an ending and I'm not going to go back and, and do it again. Mm-hmm. No, just again, which is another type of choice. It is. Yeah. So there's also the... Um... The train ending, which you have to do like a certain set of loops so that you can unlock a, a code that lets you get to that ending, um, where you, during a flashback, retrieve your stuffed bunny from when you were five. And basically the choice is you decide to get onto the train um, that you know crashes and kills your mom and you decide to, to go and die with her. That's one of the endings. And then the last ending, um, which is my favorite, is the sort of cyclical ending where it ends and Stefan's Bandersnatch game gets a five out of five star score and his murders get discovered and the game gets pulled and destroyed. And then years later, a woman is remaking the game as an interactive film for maybe Netflix. I don't know, question mark. And and then it's sort of revealed that that woman is uh, Pearl, who is Colin's baby that gets introduced fairly early on in the movie. And so it's sort of this like, I like I like the sort of cyclical storytelling of it, where it's like there was the author who wrote the book Bandersnatch and went bonkers and murdered his wife and killed himself. And then there's... Stefan, who tries to turn that into a game, and then sort of the the lead up of being like somebody is trying to do it again, but with an interactive film, and you're all like, "Oh gosh, I'm watching it now. Is Pearl okay? Did she <laughs> did she go wackadoo and do a couple of murders too? Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> the first ending that I got was the one where I was on the train, or Stefan was on the train. With his mom and died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the first yeah. ending I got too. Um, mm-hmm. Partly because I I think uh, because I went into it interested in it as a game, um, I did the thing that I do with pretty much every interactive fiction or choice based game, where it's like I want to I want to dive deep in there and find all of the secrets, and so I kept doing the same choice over and over, just like can, like convinced that it would reveal something to me which it did and so I was like I was totally like haha I was right about this and then I got an ending that was it was okay but um like I said I sort of I like the the pearl ending remaking the game so it's interesting you you bring this up because the way I played it the first time and with a ps4 controller in my hand I definitely played it like a game every single time I was trying to test the game Mm -hmm. right it's like nope I'm going to I'm going to redo that thing. This this that took me to an apparent dead end. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yep. I'm going to yell at my dad a million times to see or break the computer again to see if something different happens. And most of the time it doesn't make a difference, which I guess makes sense <laughs> because you program the loop to 
you know, be like, no, no. But if they do it a third time, then go through this way. I don't know. It almost seems unfair to someone who's, I don't know if unfair is the right uh, way to, to see it because it's such a strange experience to be watching something on Netflix and you don't have a time bar, right? You don't know yeah. how much is left. You don't know how much you didn't see of the movie. And basically, like, the way I try to think of it is that it's multiple like, multiple possible movies. So you can have a completely different experience than I did. And I had two very different experiences. Like the second time, I did not follow Colin. I was like, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not talking to him at all. Mm-hmm. Forget it. So Colin like had nothing to do with my story other than the moment that I met him at the game developer. And that was really different <laughs> than the first time. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't even know how many other choices you have if once you follow Colin, if you take the drugs, if he jumps off the building, like all those things. That, that's what happened to me. But I don't know what other possibilities there were. Does that sound like what you, what you experienced the first time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was definitely interested in it from the, from the game side of well, what we had just played through Detroit Become Human. It was, it was. There was a, it was what, a couple like months. a month in between, yeah. Yeah, two months maybe. in between, something like that. But anyways, the getting to see the flow charts at the end of each level in Detroit really made me think about like okay I'm playing through this this Netflix interactive film and I'm imagining what the flow chart looks like as I'm going through it and sort of updating each time I, I make a different choice or I go back and make the same choice again and it's sort of like okay is this going to reveal something different this time since this is the second time I'm making the same choice is it actually different or is it the same um it, you know is doing like the nonsensical serial choice in the beginning it's like does that actually matter it does change something in the later movie but it's it's not really important to anything but it's just one of those things where it's like i'm you know trying to pull on the threads so i can figure out how it all connects to each other uh but what what you brought up about um people having totally different experiences and uh maybe missing out on some of that stuff i think that's a really interesting angle to talk about this because um there are people who play through you know games like this that are that are about making choices like uh telltale games the walking dead and stuff like that where it's like you have a left or right choice you get to decide what you're going to do it's going to impact your experience of the game there are people who only play through those games once they have one experience and that's their experience that's the quote-unquote true experience that they had but then there are also people who you know sometimes i am one of these people but who who will go back <laughs> and literally try to find every option i want i want every a possible choice to be given to me. So I'm going to go back and find all of the ones that I missed before. And so it's sort of interesting comparing it to Detroit because Detroit shows you, um, it, it, it covers them up so you don't know what the specifics are, but you can see where the branches go and sometimes how, how far those branches go off or where they reconnect and stuff like that. But um, in Bandersnatch, they they don't show you any of that stuff. It's um, there you can find a flowchart that fans have made online so you can mm-hmm. see it, but they didn't put one in as part of the experience. And I think that sort of leans towards the idea of they, they wanted people to treat it 
as more of a once through where it's like whatever experience you had your first time through was was the experience you were intended to have. And I think that's sort of interesting. It's definitely a film, right? In that sense yeah. where it's like you're going to sit down, you're going to have an experience and it has a beginning and an end. I I kind of disagree with that to a point and I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but I'm so glad that you brought up Detroit and you've made this comparison because I think that I think it was a few months between Detroit and and the premiere of Bandersnatch. But it definitely influenced the way I think about these games. Now, I've played many Twine games. I've created Twine games. I've taught children how to create games in Twine. It's it's a tool that I like to use. So to me, to me, I saw it as a game. So the first time, I definitely went back and did um, some of the, like, oh, I want to see more. I want to see something different. But mm-hmm. the way the movie is set up, it it kind of forces you to do that. Very early on, uh, one of the first decisions, which is, do you make the game at the developer or make it on your own? And if you choose to make it at the developer, very quickly, it jumps ahead in time and the game gets a zero out of five stars. And mm-hmm. the main character says, I'm going to try again without like this isn't a choice or anything. And it's also not an ending. Mm-hmm. It it forces you to replay that moment again. And like I tried, I tried to multiple times just <laughs> keep just, it there. But you're there like, n- I really want to sell out, game. Why won't you let me? Yeah. <laughs> just, but- I just want to sell out. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't let you finish, right? Yep. It would just stay in that loop. So you had to go the other route and yep. then start having all these other experiences. So in that way, it's very, it was very guided. And even there's definitely an illusion of choice there mm-hmm. because if you pick the wrong choice then you you eventually get to a different choice and yeah the the fan-made uh flow charts are super helpful and when i saw it at the end you know after after playing through the first time i was like what this is this is so i had no idea that these things were even possible it was so different (laughs) from from my experience but at the same time it doesn't come close to detroit right like detroit's is incredible like you know if if you go back and listen to that episode remember my game and your game were so different yeah my Kara died (laughs) super early there's like a third of that game that i never saw and but that was my experience and like it was very impactful what happened to Kara. but there's like so much that i missed (laughs) because she wasn't there uh for, for for most of the game for me and and i don't know there's something about uh the way that this game that the movie is set up which also has a lot to do with time. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And Amy Hennig had a had a an interview recently where she talked about how like I think she said it was sad or or like unbelievable that we create these rich stories and most people never get to the end. So one way to to fix that is to make a shorter story. And Bandersnatch is like you said, it's like a 90-minute film. It is a movie and an and you will you will reach the ending in you know one or two sittings. It isn't like a video game where it can take you dozens of hours or even even a dozen hours is a long time compared to a movie. So in that sense, that's why like, even though it feels like so much of a game, it it doesn't feel like a game <laughs> at yeah. the same time. Um, but but the comparisons are are you you have to make them like you can't avoid them. And I read that Charlie Brooker while he was writing the script. To actually test it out, I believe he used Twine and then put the script in there so that he could play through the film in Twine to make sure that everything made sense. 
Yeah, yeah, I read up on that. Um, It it was started in Twine. Netflix ended up building a tool called Branch Manager, Hmm. um, which I think is what ended up being like the final work that they used. But um, it's sort of interesting because Branch Manager is what's going to be used for future interactive fiction, interactive film stuff. So I'm I'm very intrigued to see where that goes. One thing that makes it different from a game also is that, and and is more like a movie. Again, it's it straddles both, right? But it does. Uh, is you can you can fast forward through the film up to the next choice. Yep. And you can also rewind. You can't do that in a video game. You have to play through to get to the next part. You can't just skip ahead. There are some some games that let you rewind. I mean. Life is Strange had had sections where you could rewind and undo a choice, uh, though they u- they used that intentionally where they set you up where there was instances in which you could go back and undo something, and then <clears throat> that made it more impactful when they introduced a choice that you couldn't go back and undo. You had to just pick and deal with whatever you picked. Um, so they were really going for that like emotional impact for that one, but. Um, but that's an ability that she has in the game. So there's a narrative reason for it. Yeah. And you can't skip forward, right? Like you couldn't just fast forward through. No. Like I don't I don't want to play through this day of school. Can I just get to dinner? <laughs> right. But in Bandersnatch, you can. I think in um, Until Dawn, after you've played through it once, then you can go back through and choose like where where you want to be. But I think it's still linear from that point where it's like you can choose to start further ahead, but then you can't skip ahead further from that point. Hmm. Gotcha. I think. Yeah. It's been a long time since I played that. But yeah, there, I mean, you know, there are games that, that play with the idea of, of choice and um, having some sort of time control where you can go back and change things. But it's not very many. And Bandersnatch is definitely... Uh, Still fresh, still new. <laughs> well, because Bandersnatch again, it's it's just a movie. So mm-hmm. within the constraints of Netflix, it lets me rewind and fast forward just like any regular movie, because it really is a cutscene, right? It's mm-hmm. really just a bunch of cutscenes triggered one after the other. There is no, there's no real gameplay like there is in like Life is Strange, where you're moving the character around and you have to literally walk from here to there, right? Here, the characters are on autopilot. You make a decision, and then they continue on. You watch the movie. So it's a lot of small movies that you're watching in in succession, and you can only fast-forward up until the next decision, which Mm -hmm. is such a unique experience and something that, again, you can't do. Like There are times when I wish I could fast forward through parts of games now there are games that let you like skip a part because it was too hard things like that like there, there are versions of that but this just felt very unique but as a but as a game right i mean we, we keep going back and forth like it's a movie it's a game how do you how do you feel about bandersnatch as a game uh not great <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have a few um, things that bother me. What what uh what are your reasons? I mean, it's it it is game like in that you play it and that you interact with it and your interactions seem to have outcomes. Um, though there, you know, there's not total transparency on which choices actually matter and which ones don't. But I, I don't know. It's 
it's not that that exciting as far as game goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of the things that bothered me were moments where you made a decision and it was obviously a dead end decision. So then it automatically looped you back. Yep. And I mean, it's funny because Bandersnatch is like, wow, it's so impressive, but it's kind of like Space Ace, <laughs> which came out in the 90s, I think early 90s, maybe, maybe earlier. And it had moments like that where you would play and then, oh no, it's an 80s game. 1983, released Ooh. in 1984. Ooh, well, that was a game where it was like you're watching a cartoon and then there would be decisions where it was definitely a dead end and then you would die and like go back and, and retry. And I don't know. that I remember playing Space Ace when I was a kid and thinking, whoa, this is so cool. It's an interactive cartoon. But now because of, because of games, because of games like Life is Strange and Detroit, like having that experience, I mean, it's it's hard, right? Like you can't just have an alternate. It, they even talk about that in the in the in the movie, right? Where it's like, well, it's I added another branch, and now that, that like it broke the game, where or, or it's going to take too long to make. And yeah. I understand you can't have infinite stuff, but there was, some of those choices just really bothered me because it's like I did it, and then immediately it was like go back. <laughs> And sometimes you didn't even have another choice. It was just like, you just have to go back and do that again. And it didn't feel, it didn't feel like I failed. It didn't feel like I succeeded. It didn't feel like I made a right or a wrong choice. Or I guess in that, in that moment, it feels like, oh, I made the wrong choice, but there was no. There is no choice. The point is you have, you have to meet that fail state so that you restart, but you have prior knowledge. Just like the whole thing where where Colin yeah. is like, nice to see you again. I mean, even even that early on choice where you decide whether you're gonna work for Tucker's softer or not. Uh, in my notes, I wrote that as the sellout choice, so I'm, I'm having a hard time not calling it the sellout <laughs> choice. But uh, when you do that, uh, if you do choose to sell out and it does that immediate like go back you have a different conversation with Colin because you can, what is it? There's an error in his game and the first time through he tells you what the error is. But mm-hmm. if you have um, done this, the sellout choice and you're redoing that part, uh, Stefan will automatically say what the problem is before Colin can, can say it. And there's like a little eyebrow waggle thing, but yep. it's, it's this whole thing. It was like, it felt like you made, the wrong choice but it's also adding more to um the story that it's trying to tell so it's like some some of these wrong choices are very much intentional because it's forcing you to replay in such a way that you have that prior knowledge um and and it's like it gives you a reason to make different choices even if the choices don't actually matter some of them do. That's that's an excellent example. Even Colin, like at the beginning, he's like, do I know you from somewhere? Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but obviously something is going on. That's a great example. But later on, like when you're in front of the computer, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like there, there is no, there is no cool factor <laughs> to that part. Like there is a, at the beginning. So I guess some of those are kind of frustrating. <laughs> But you're right. You're right. I think I think that's probably the the point of the game, right? It's that you are making these choices, and you, okay, now I have the the knowledge to make a better choice, or I guess you know I failed, so now I'm going to make the correct choice, or I saw the outcome and I want a different outcome, so now I can I can do that, and I have the opportunity to move the story in that direction, 
and in, in a weird way, this is again, like it's, it's a story where that's acceptable because even in that scene at the beginning, the characters are kind of aware of what's happening, which makes yeah. it a cool black mirror episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as a game, I, I didn't, uh, like right now, I actually, I tried to play it as a movie now the second time, mm-hmm. meaning that I tried to just let it go with the default. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't press anything, Netflix will just make choices for you. Yep, yep. It'll choose automatically, so you don't even have to choose. But it got to the point where I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore. There were choices <laughs> that I wanted to make. I couldn't just let it go. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm going to do this. I'm going <laughs> to... Oh, and it was funny because I think it always chose the option on the left. And so I think so too. Yeah. So there were moments where I was like, uh, I really want the right one. Damn it. And I ended up, you know, just eventually at some point I ended up doing a different playthrough and getting a different ending. Yeah. I mean, what, what does, what does that say that there is an option to, to consume this interactive film without any interaction to, to watch this interactive film passively. Um, and, and clearly Netflix assumed that that was going to happen for some people because they programmed it in that way. But it's, uh, it's interesting. It is like, it is, it is such an, an interesting experience to go through because even if you don't like you have 10 seconds and if you don't do it in time, that feels strange too. It's like, Oh, but I, I, I wanted to make a choice and I didn't get to do it because I was, I don't know, blowing my nose or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole, the whole thing is a, is a cool experience. I think, I think it's definitely worth checking out if you've, especially if you've never had any type of interactive movie experience like that. And also to compare it to, to games, just, you know, games in general. Yeah. It's like, I, I think, I think Netflix is going to make a lot more of these. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And some of them will be shorter, like the Puss in Boots episodes, right? Like some of them can be a lot shorter. And just to have a full-length movie like this where, I don't know, I I like the fact that I played through it again and it was a different movie. And I can play through another time, maybe in a year or two, because like I, I like to rewatch the Black Mirror episodes. And when I get to Bandersnatch... I don't know. I, I didn't remember all the choices I made last time. So some of them I wasn't too sure about. So that's a cool experience to have, to just re, you know, have a, have a new version of the film. Not to mention yeah. that they could update the movie and they could add additional scenes or an additional branch eventually. It would then, break the game. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, if, not if they had enough time to work on it. <laughs> and that idea is cool too. The fact that you could, have that like it could continue from Pearl if you get to that point, or I don't know, you could see the alternate reality that Colin's talking about, right? Like, there's so many different possibilities that that are possible. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this game—I don't know—this game, movie, game, both is <laughs> a cool experience. Maybe <laughs> uh, definitely highly recommend it. Check it out. I think there's so much more that we could talk about as far as the actual content, the themes, but. You know, just talking about it as as an experience, I, I, I don't know. I think I think we touched a lot of the parts of it and what it feels like to to play the to play the game and watch the movie. You know what I mean? All right, so let's take a break and then talk about Trace. every week. The Geek Therapy Stream team goes live on Twitch and plays a variety of games. 
sometimes new, sometimes classics. Depending on who's streaming, we'll be talking about psychology, mental health, or whatever comes up in the chat. Go to twitch.tv slash geektherapy to follow us so you know when we go live. Or check out our archives if you miss a live stream. And let us know what you'd like to see us play. We're live at least three nights a week at twitch.tv slash geektherapy. See you in the chat. All right, Lauren, so what are we going to talk about now? Uh, We're going to talk about choice. Um, But what I think is really interesting is that Netflix saved all of your choice data. Hmm. All of Interesting. it. Every choice you made, even the ones where you're like, I'm just going to keep selling out over and over again, see if something different happens. I'm interested in, you know, wh- what is the purpose of saving that data and what can that data be used to do or what does it say about the viewers? I mean, Netflix doesn't like to share any of their behind the scenes data, but they did put out that the um, the train death was the least reached ending of the the five main endings. The one you and I got? Yeah, the one that you and I got on our first time. And they they said it's because um, you have to to kill your dad. um, And they thought that most people would not make that choice. Or they Um, assume that that's why it happened like that most people didn't do that yeah, yeah is gotcha. is that the um you know for most of the choices they figured there'd be you know a pretty close split you know 50 50 or 60 40 somewhere in, somewhere in that pretty even split area but for the um killing your dad they expected it to be like oh only 10 percent of people will choose to kill their dad <laughs> which i was <laughs> like yeah let's kill dad uh maybe what does that say about me what i mean does netflix change their uh you know recommendations based on how quickly i chose to murder my father like are they like oh yeah she's messed up she's gonna like these murder movies <laughs> <laughs> they already know that about me. So, um, so but I'm confused about something. The way you're you're talking about the data is that did they assume beforehand that people would not kill the father, or are they saying that the reason why they, they think they assumed people wouldn't kill your dad? Gotcha. And okay. that ended up being mostly true. Gotcha. Where, okay, that was where, their hypothesis. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. And that in, that ended up being true. Where um, I, my guess would be is that there were people who, like us, went back and played it again, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know how they differentiate that that kind of data um, if they're just doing like first playthrough, yeah, um, or if they're doing all of it together and what that says about <laughs> us as viewers slash players. Well, I didn't trust I the father I, at that point, so whatever, <laughs> kill him. I I was just like, look, I I didn't destroy my computer. I got to destroy something. <laughs> my dad won't get off my back, so. <laughs> the game does definitely take kind of a sharp turn at one point where it's like, whoa, the choices that I have are unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I remember that feeling and like getting excited because it was like, whoa, can I really do this? I think that's a part of it too for me. It was like, can I really do this? Yeah. Well, um, so not only like what can they t- like what does it mean that you cho- chose to kill the father, but also what does it mean that you chose to kill the father, and you binge watched the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Like that's where the data gets really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just... Queer Eye, and it's like, whoa, yeah. What, yeah. what does that say about you? <laughs> hmm. What does that say about me? <laughs> I would I would love to to just look at all that data at, at Netflix and, and the conclusions that they're coming to. And I mean, for the most part, they're probably just using that data to right guess what you'll watch next or what you'll like. But yeah. Just to see the patterns. 
would be would be incredible. Yeah. Oh man, so exciting. So but much, so, so much data. So so but but the real takeaway here is that you and I made the right choice, correct? <laughs> yeah. The the rightest choice that we could make in which there aren't actually very many choices. It's mostly <laughs> illusion. <laughs> so what is it called when you're really, really sure that you made the right choice? Uh, choice supportive bias. What is choice supportive bias? It is a type of cognitive bias um, and it, it comes from um, like marketing research and sales research. It's, it's generally attached to um, consumer choices. So choosing between brands and that sort of thing. But basically what it means is once you make a choice, you will rationalize reasons that your choice was the, the right choice, the best choice. Yep. And you will rationalize reasons why, why the thing you didn't choose is the worst choice. Um, and, and you will like, like not only does that affect your choice, but it affects how you remember the choices later where um, in the moment it might be like, uh, tying this back to Bandersnatch, in the moment, choosing between uh, the sugar puffs and the cornflakes is like, this doesn't really matter. Who cares? But afterwards, you know, I, I've chosen the the sugar bombs or whatever. And later on, when people are like, well, why did you choose sugar bombs? I'll be like, well, you know, sugar bombs are so much better. They taste so much better. They have more vitamins sprinkled on top. The toy that comes in the box is better. <laughs> and you'll remember all of these little details that support your original choice. And you'll remember, oh, you know, I, I didn't pick cornflakes because there was that article about how the creator of cornflakes kept pet bears in a basement cave and i i can't support a, ca a, ba a bear basement cave that they deserve outdoor caves or something like that you know where it's like you will remember negative aspects that that's and positive aspects of your choice and negative aspects of the thing you didn't choose you will remember those things uh, as more divisive than it was in the moment in the moment it was like i basically it was 50 50 or, you know, 50.1 versus 49.9 in my choice making. But later on, you'll reflect on it and you were like, oh, no, I made that choice. I was 100% behind the sugar bombs. There was never a moment I considered cornflakes. And it's really interesting when you take that kind of cognitive bias, the way that human brains just sort of work to, to maintain internal consistency and then apply it to something like an interactive film where we both sort of, well, I, I don't know about you, but I, you know, my first experience, my novel experience, which, which would be my first choices, right? So in theory, I should basically be saying like my first playthrough is the, the right playthrough, the good playthrough, but I actually, I actually prefer a different ending. Um, and so it's like, what, what does that say about the way we think about the choices we make when the the context is specifically talking about choices and why we make choices and being able to go back and choose differently because the you know those are the themes of the movie it's like does that change the way that our our regular cognitive biases work because we're sort of primed to be way more attentive to the choices we're making because it's literally a big black bar along the bottom and you just like left or right left or right ah! <laughs> <laughs> 
the the phenomenon, right, that has been observed, right? This this uh, this choice supportive bias, also I mean, called post purchase rationalization. Hmm. So I think, Rick, obviously, it's observed differently in different people. So I know people I've met them <laughs> who would absolutely say, "Well, <laughs> the correct choice is obviously the Frosted Flakes," and they'll tell you with such authority that it will make you question your own existence. You're like, well, well they, they must be right. I don't know. I don't they understand. must be right. Yeah. They seem yeah. so certain. Yeah. And like, I've, you see that in all walks of life and you see that with purchases. And I've, I've had that experience where like I made a decision, I was all alone and someone tells me that they made the other, the opposite decision. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? And there's really no, like there's no, it's it's this right. It's it's I have already rationalized it so well to myself <laughs> that mm-hmm. the other option it doesn't even make sense anymore, right? I mean, we see this in politics. We see this in so many things. I remember, I remember, I like this phenomenon was so strange to me that I remember the first time it was like my first job in Philadelphia, and I met a guy who like believed these unbelievable things to me. Maybe I'm rationalizing my decisions here too, but it was like. Every time I asked him and I tried to get to the root of why he believed these things that he believed, it was because it was like the first answer that he got, you know, it was like the first thing that he learned was that. And I think that first decision that you make can affect you in that way, right? Because you, it, it, it works into you, like it, it grows roots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. And, and in, in games like this, there are definitely conversations that we have like that all the time. It's like, what, you chose, you chose this? Like, why, why would you choose that? And we have very, I think, funny conversations <laughs> in gaming, right? When we're trying to justify uh, the decisions that we made. And, and I think that then there's the other group of people who, who I think you and I fall in that category. I used to fall into it more. I've, I've started to uh, stop doing all the options anymore just for the sake of time. <laughs> yeah. I started thinking, you know what? I'm going to just accept that and I'm not going to go back and do it over. I'm just going to keep moving forward. And but I, but I enjoyed that those times when I would go ahead and, and, and look at all the options because to me, it was one of multiple options. I didn't see anything as like necessarily right or wrong. There's definitely a preference, but you know, it's fascinating to, to think about that. And of course, like there's so many purchase decisions that people make constantly. And, you know, like when you, when you look at a wall of toothpaste or 30 different types of ketchup and things like that, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's incredible. Yeah. Brains are weird. Brains are weird. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a lot of fun uh, to, to you know, as we were preparing for the episode to think about Bandersnatch, to think about the choice supportive bias. And I kept I kept thinking about it in different uh, areas of my life and different places where I've seen it. And, and then once you once I started thinking about it from that lens, it's like there's so many decisions that I'm so certain that were the right ones <laughs> because I made the decision. Right. I think that's yep. the. the the power of it. Yeah. If you are looking for an inexpensive, not very long game that is more game and less movie, you should play the Stanley Parable because it covers a lot of similar themes and Hmm. it is a better game. (laughs) (laughs) I've never played the Stanley Parable. Oh, you should play that. I should. I should. That would be a good good game to stream i think you would really like it i think it would make you 
have to like stop playing to laugh for a while. <laughs> How you know, long when is you it? just you just got to set down the controller and have a chuckle. It's one of those games. Gotcha. How um, long is the game? It's it depends because like Bandersnatch, there are are many endings, and you can activate certain ones really early on, and you can activate some after you've activated others. Um, I would say just a couple of hours to really. I think there's one like hidden ending where you have to wait in a specific spot for a really long time, and that would be like the longest way to play it. But generally speaking, that would only be if you're trying to like completionist run the game, which I doubt you would be trying to do. <laughs> so I, th- I think this is definitely a good game to to stream around this time when we publish this episode, and and use it as an excuse to to talk about choice supportive bias yeah. on Twitch. Hell yeah. So you can watch us stream uh, every week on Twitch at twitch.tv slash geektherapy where we play all sorts of games. And yeah, I think we should definitely play this. You can come talk with members of the community about all sorts of games at our Discord at geektherapy.com slash Discord. And you can find us on Twitter at HeadshotsCast. I'm Matt Josue Cardona. Lauren is at Chicken Dinosaur. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. This was fun, Lauren. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. Bandersnatch. Choices. Make the right ones. (laughs) Netflix. They should pay us.